0: Hey, everybody, what's going on? Rob Sestrino back here with our Amazing Race recap after episode number seven here of the Reality Star Showdown. And I'm very excited to bring into our prayer circle of podcasting that we're going to talk about here tonight. A very jam-packed episode of The Amazing Race. First, let's bring in our chief Amazing Race correspondent. The great Jessica Lee, just Jess, how are you?
1: Um, I'm doing great, Rob. Uh I'm so happy to be here with my second and third best friends.
0: Yes. Thank you. <laughs> thank you. And the man who was uh on Twitter today wondering where he fell in those power rankings. The great Mike Bloom, Mike, how are you?
2: We're going to need to bring in Phil Kogan to really give the official placements out. Though I'm surprised. Are we talking about Amazing Race Episode 7? or Are we just talking about Sebastian the Canyon Daddy for this entire podcast? Because I'm totally <laughs> fine with the latter.
0: Is that his official title?
2: I'm going to I'll deem him now. I will Whoa. pull a Jamie Lannister, pull out the sword, and knight him Sebastian the Canyon Daddy. Because both Tyler and Corey, and I think social media in general, got real thirsty quick in the Swiss Alps over him.
0: Whoa. Whoa. Okay. So a lot to dig into besides Sebastian, the Canyon Daddy here on a really uh, we had we had it all. We had thrills. We had fights. We had a a breakdown and a fight. And Jess, this is uh, one of the more exciting non-elimination legs of the race that I can recall.
1: Yeah, you wouldn't think that nobody going home would make for such an exciting leg and especially it being sort of switzerland is a country we've been to so many times i don't think there was a single activity in and, this episode yes, and usually
0: means, a, a peaceful
1: nation yes they're that's they're exactly, very, very neutral. neutral i guess <laughs> i guess that's where you bring your conflict to be resolved you can come to switzerland where you know everybody else is neutral while you work it out yeah not the case. <laughs>
2: yeah, I was going to say. Well, Switzerland, as Phil's going to say, is apparently the world's oldest democracy. Uh, I'm not sure if Grace wants to fact check them. I'm a, I'm a limit at the top here. I'm a little torn about this episode. Yes, why? <laughs> well, because I think that on the one hand, you get a lot of fantastic drama and especially character moments, even outside of the big Big Brother drama. There's a lot of really fun character stuff that I'm sure we're going to get into. On the other hand, the leg itself was not the best, in my opinion. Just because if you look at... The Amazing Race Reddit does a great uh, art- a great little image every week of like what every team's placement was at each task during the legs. So you can see how much variance there was. And this one really felt like, for the vast majority of it, it was like uh, preschoolers going on a field trip where everyone holds on to the lanyard line and just walks in a straight line. There really wasn't a lot of passing until the very end when everyone got to self-drive themselves, which is why we love self-driving of The Amazing Race. So I feel like this episode, while exciting really hung itself on the teams and the drama and conflict that it brought because outside of that, I would say the task and the leg itself really did not bring anything to the table. Jess,
0: how do you feel about that?
1: Um, I would tend to agree with that. I do think that there was not a whole lot of activity. Like, these were probably very fun things to do and the sense I get from all of the racers on social media is that they really had a blast doing this leg. But these are all things... I don't think there's a single thing in this episode that we have not seen before in some capacity on the show mm-hmm. like we've had people in helicopters we've had people jumping off of things and in fact you even had this moment where Tyler and Corey are up in the helicopter and they're like you know the last time we were in a helicopter and I'm like oh gee what a rough life you must lead you get to go <laughs> on in a helicopter twice on the amazing race and they're like yeah we were very sad the last time we were in a helicopter but this time it was a lot more fun yeah they were in and first like, place this time Yeah. The last time we had to jump across something to grab a clue, it didn't go so well. And this time we did a lot better. So things are looking up for them, I guess. But it's like, yeah, remind us that we've seen all of this stuff before it in some capacity.
0: Yeah. I thought it was uh, really fun. I I didn't really, as you know, the amazing race uh, novice of the group, you know, the leg design didn't really uh, bother me. You know, I complained last week about the virtual reality task. We were making fun of the glow in the dark dinosaurs. This felt like a big episode in terms of the uh, tasks that they did Uh, like this was actually you know uh, going into the mountains actually jumping off a cliff and not into like a bounce house or anything like that so uh, i felt like that in terms of the scope that uh, i felt like that they hit the mark for an amazing race lag mike
2: what does that mean to be a pun with the mark reference in switzerland yes
0: yes uh, i very i love currency jokes
2: uh so i i do agree with the that the currency in like switzerland a... is the franc. oh oh all right well now i have egg all over my i think that was a face. question
0: that i got asked on when shut up tim's money i think
2: oh man <laughs> well then you now should know be... the answer well okay <laughs> in one ear and out the other shut up his money uh so i, I germany agree is a that... mark
1: right jess it was until 2000 and now it's the euro okay
2: i what i will okay. say is that mark the cast, is a chicken now Uh, the test I didn't really have a problem with in this like I think for me it was more so the way that things were structured is that they really didn't allow for opportunities to pass each other which is I think just started with You have to go one at a time during the gorge swing. You have to go one at a time in the helicopter. And even in the, you know, water ship down or whatever it was, side of the detour was, go one at a time through this course where even if you get super close together, it was only during that last part of the leg that teams could really pass each other. And so we saw a bit of scrambling with the first four teams, then the last three teams that led to that excitement. Part of me kind of wishes that we had sort of put the kibitz on the helicopter and just had them drive. To the detour, uh, but I could understand the scope of it. Uh, this it definitely feels like, you know, bring in the brilliant cinematography and hopefully get the amazing race another Emmy because it really was brilliant and magnificent to watch. It just unfortunately did not make for the best type of racing.
0: Okay, we've got uh, a lot to get to in our recap of the episode, and we will uh, pick sides in who was right and who was wrong when it comes to the great first big brother alumni fight of the month of or the week of the last week of May. And we'll get into all that here today. But first, let me just take a moment and thank one of our sponsors, Dole. I've been looking for ways to get more vegetables into my diet. I know a lot of people make green smoothies, but only putting vegetables into your smoothies can make them not taste great. That's why I love Dole Fruit and Veggie Blend. They've created amazing balanced recipes of frozen fruits and veggies. So I know I'll always get a delicious smoothie. All the work of pairing great tasting fruits and veggies is done for me. I can blend great flavors like berries and kale or fruits and greens in with some almond milk. Then seconds later, I'm sipping on a tasty smoothie and getting essential nutrients into my diet. And the best part is I don't have to wash or prep anything. It's all ready to go. It's like each bag was born to be blended with fruit picked at peak ripeness. I know I'm going to get a delicious and satisfying smoothie every time. Sneaking more veggies into my day has never been easier or tastier. Dull fruit and veggie blends, find them in your frozen aisle. And also uh, one other note that I got to speak with Janelle and Brittany earlier this week, and uh, you will hear that interview at the end of this recap. So uh, most weeks we'll put the exit interview at the top of the show, but uh, since this was about last week's episode, they they weren't able to record until Tuesday. So you'll hear from uh, Janelle and Brittany later on in this uh podcast okay jess do you have your jaguar tooth on today
1: oh, i i never take it off Rob.
0: <laughs> okay yes uh we, we've found, learned about christy's uh, lucky jaguar tooth
2: yeah i'm pretty sure that's what blake bortles molar is what she has around mm, her neck
0: hey uh, blake bortles isn't on the jaguars anymore
2: uh, I'm sorry, I take all my my uh my sports references from the good place, yes. so I think I'm very out of date on that
0: one <laughs> yes, so he's he's done. I don't know how the good place is gonna deal with that. um so we also learned Jess, uh that amazing race history was uh going to potentially be made because Rachel Riley was about to become the tide for the most prolific amazing race uh certainly woman of all time and was going to tie the record for most legs competed on.
1: Now I have, I have a lot of questions about this because I want to know what are they, what are they saying constitutes a completed leg? Because Phil was very adamant. If you complete the next leg, you will have raced more legs than anybody else in amazing race history. Oh, Interesting. So I didn't quite understand. Does that mean that she has to not get eliminated or she just has to run the whole leg? Because there have been very few times in Amazing Race history when somebody has not completed a leg. Like, are we talking airport delay and Phil coming to get them in the airport? Yeah, what, what if they're eliminated?
0: They're Is that completing a leg, Jess? Yeah, This I don't understand.
2: I would think I think touching the mat constitutes completing a leg. I think yeah. if Alyssa tears her ACL and has to get medevaced in the middle, a la Dave and Connor, when they land in the next country. That would constitute not finishing the leg, technically speaking. But as long as her feet, you know, nail polish uh, intact or not intact, notwithstanding, reach that mat, I would say that she has it in the record books. Though I think it's also, we should put on the line here, I'm pretty sure if the Afghanimals make it a certain point, they probably are up there too, right? Because they've gone to the penultimate leg both times they've raced you'd have to assume if they make it to the end again they'd be setting a record
0: but rachel would have to be eliminated
2: that's true but i mean i don't know considering the way that things are going and the way things might be going next episode i think uh might be a short-lived record
0: okay jess do you have any mixed feelings about rachel riley a big brother contestant potentially becoming the most veteran amazing racer of all time
1: you know she's earned it. She's been here the whole time. I think she has brought a lot of what it is that she brings, and what it is that she is brought onto the show for. She oh, brings into the show. Yes, it has been brought mm. in spades. <laughs> yeah. So I think I think Rachel has certainly earned her place in the pantheon. And just because it wasn't her first reality show, I don't think that lessens the impact she has had. On this program to date.
0: Okay. So, right. And a very eventful 31st leg of the amazing race for uh, Rachel Riley. So, Mike, uh, it turns out that uh, we had a a little bit of a slowdown. Uh, There were a bunch of uh, maybe six hours or so where the teams were sort of uh, waiting to travel to Switzerland. And we had a stopover in a place called Mickey's Pub. And Mickey's Pub was the backdrop for uh, uh, all of our festivities which were about to occur.
2: And Mickey's Pub and Pizzeria really feels like, I don't know, the room where the Godfather met with his consiglieries, mm-hmm. you know, when they're trying to plan the hit, and of course, Fredo ends up revealing the hit to the other side to, you know, make friends with them. This was super interesting, because one of the reasons why this episode felt a bit unconventional compared to other episodes, specifically this season, is because there was so much downtime, we saw so much of this stuff extraneous to the race, which I think will bear out in consequences coming up, certainly, but I feel like we almost never see these teams on screen do this. We've certainly seen secret scenes where the Afghanimals have essentially taken other teams on double dates to all the sites at every pit stop when they're waiting for the airport. I feel like this is not necessarily something out of the norm, but this one has circumstances that bear out because the the topic of the U-turn comes up. You know, you have three amazing race teams or... Two and a half amazing race veterans, teams of amazing race veterans who say, yeah, U-turn's got to be coming up at some point. It showed up in leg two. And though it won't show up here in this leg, it certainly has a presence in a manner of speaking.
0: Yeah, Jess, uh, Chekhov's U-turn was certainly uh, the, uh, what, seventh or eighth team in the the race uh, in this leg?
1: Well, call me cynical. But I'm fairly certain that every time you see teams sitting there talking about a U-turn, there is a producer standing just off camera shouting, Talk about the U-turn!
0: Even in this case, even with these teams uh, where it it didn't seem like it took a lot of prodding for uh, Rachel to want to talk about the U-turn.
1: Well, I think think Rachel is very good at responding to the cues she is given by production because, again, that is one of Rachel's strengths.
0: Mm -hmm. So... It started off with Team Fun, and they end up having a uh, meetup there. They're talking with the Afghanimals. And I think it's very important that we uh, track this so uh, for the posterity, because I think there was a lot of mixed opinions on who was right and who was wrong about all of this. And so eventually, uh Rachel and Alyssa come in as well, and we get to the subject of U-turns and, and who should be U-turned, and... Jess, we saw earlier in the season that it was uh, team fun and the Riley sisters uh, got off on the wrong foot. Over who was actually the most fun?
1: Yeah, well, I think in some cases it really doesn't take much to cause a conflict. Mm-hmm. And I think it's just like I think we learned a lot, especially this leg, I think reinforced that all it takes is to be in the wrong place at the wrong time and say the wrong thing to the wrong person and all of a sudden like the feud for the ages has been created yeah so what i from what i understand i think the conversation seems to have gone like Oh, who do you think you'd want to U-turn? Like, who seems like a strong team? Oh, well, what about about Victor and Nicole? They seem pretty strong. Maybe we'll U-turn them. Okay, it's set in stone now. I
0: I feel like that Rachel and Alyssa tried to throw out, like, well, what about Chris and Brett? And and they were like, Chris and Brett. Uh, Yeah.
1: Mm
2: Mm-hmm. Which is odd to me. I'm very surprised that Colin and Christy's name gets floated out there, but not Tyler and Corey, considering they finished first. I don't know if it's that Rachel and Alyssa, you know, I don't know if they talked about it in your interview with you, Rob, but I know Janelle and Brittany in their interview with me talked about mm-hmm. the fact that they get the sense that all the teams from their respective shows had a pact to look out for each other. Maybe Rachel and Alyssa felt that and said, let's not throw out another amazing race team because then they'll be able to, you know, because then they won't necessarily target them. So we'll throw Chris and Brett out there. But I feel like if you're throwing out a much more succulent mm-hmm. piece of meat, right. for well, these wild animals to jump onto. when it comes U-turn, I think to a U-turn, we've seen Tyler and Corey get U turned, and place.
1: maybe it's sort of like that's not really going to stop them.
0: Now, are team fun are, are they have they already used their U turn? Jess, is it?
1: Are you allowed to U turn twice in the same season? This is always unclear. It used to be that you couldn't, but I think production has kind of come around to the fact that if everybody gets unlimited U-turns all the time, they're more likely to get used. Okay. So I think I think the rule. The last time I heard the rule stated on camera, it was that you could only use one U-turn per season. But then, with like all of the blind U-turns and the double U-turns, I think. The rules are a little more fluid these days, but I would love a fact check on that if anybody can provide one.
0: So my read on this situation is that this conversation ends with the, the decision. Okay, let's you turn Nicole and Victor. They're they're a strong team, and let's let's you turn them. And Rachel and Alyssa agree and say yes in in the room, but then do not actually have any intention to U-turn Nicole and Victor. Is Mm -hmm. is that everybody's understanding, or
1: am I on an island? Yeah, that seems accurate.
2: Yeah, Rachel pretty much said, like, yeah, when you're talking about U-turns, it's much like when someone asks you to be an alliance and survivor. You smile and nod, because you don't want to bring up conflict in that moment, ironically enough. Uh, But by doing that, I understand where they came from with their intentions and what they're about to do next. I think that when we pick apart exactly what happened, we'll see that maybe some things they did were good and some things they did were not so good. Right. Well,
1: here's the funny thing about that. If someone asks you to be in an alliance with them, you say yes. Because what from what I hear, um And I recommend that after everybody finishes listening to everything in the RAGP library for the week, circle back and hit up Victor and Nicole's podcast, Coco Caliente, where they break down kind of what happened with all of this on their end. And I'm sure we'll go into this a little more as things progress but they too were of this mind that you can't say no to anybody that comes to you with a proposition for an alliance Mm -hmm. like that's just bad sportsmanship so their feeling on whether there was a pact of teams from the same shows looking out for each other their feeling was that they were really just nodding and smiling when rachel threw that at them earlier Mm. so Rachel was of the mind that we are in this ironclad big brother teams alliance and Victor and Nicole were kind of like yeah of course we're going to be in an alliance with you because if we say no then you're going to hate us Mm -hmm. so it was kind of the same thing and then these are the same rules that I think Rachel is playing by in this moment where this other team has come to her with an idea and she's not going to reject it out of hand because then it just makes them mad at her yeah
0: I do think she tried to get the target to somebody else, but then ultimately that the other groups in question were saying, no, let's stick with Nicole and Victor. So I think that production missed, missed a a conversation here because I think that that's where it gets a little confusing because Mike, correct me if I'm wrong. We never got to see the initial conversation where Rachel told Nicole, Hey, just so you know, team fun is trying to U-turn you correct.
2: That happened on the plane, which I guess would make sense why it wasn't on film, because uh, I'm assuming that that would be a rather large electronic device that would either need to be turned off or properly stowed in the, uh, you know, the uh, underneath the seat in front of you or in the bins uh, ahead of you. So, unfortunately, it wasn't shown, but we're going to be hearing a lot about it from a lot of different sides as they hop on this. Seems like the longest train ride ever in Switzerland over the course of these next 10 minutes or so.
0: Yeah. And so... Jess, I think Rachel is trying to do right by Nicole and Victor. But what I suspect happened is that I think that Rachel might have pushed too hard on the because of this information. That's why you have to U-turn team fun.
1: Yeah, I think part of Rachel's problem here is that she's just a little too caught up in the gameplay. Like if she, if she just put her head down and race, she's not bad at the racing part. It's when all of this other, like when she's trying to play big brother in the middle of the amazing race, I think is where she stumbles a little bit. And I know that again, that's kind of why she's here. She brings some conflict. She's, it's, she is like a magnet for this kind of drama, but it really felt like she didn't need to be orchestrating a U-turn that they didn't even know if or when one would happen. You don't need to be so obsessed with the U-turn. Like, stop trying to manifest the U-turn. Mm-hmm.
2: Well, I mean, I, I wouldn't necessarily go that far. Because, I mean, what's the difference between what they're doing here now and what happened in season 29? when they're like, oh, yeah, the U-turn's coming up, so we got to institute this big plan to, you know, waste one side of the U-turn to get rid of Vank and Ashton. You know, I can understand why with uh, unlimited time while you wait for the next thing.
1: It's true. It's kind of the one piece of strategy that you really have that's not just do really well at the tasks and don't get lost. But Mm. I think a lot of the Vank and Ashton stuff happened because they opened the clue, and it said, caution, U-turn ahead. And I think that's when people's gears started turning. And I don't believe, correct me if I'm wrong, I don't believe there was any such directive in any of the clues that we saw this episode. It was just kind of, they're speaking in the abstract. Like, there might be one mm-hmm. next leg, or there might be one, two legs from now. You don't really know. You don't even know who's going to be around. So what is the point?
2: I'm trying to remember, did this second leg have a caution you turn ahead in the beginning of the clue, in the first clue of the, of the episode?
1: Um, I don't... I don't recall. I don't think so, but...
2: Because if if that's the case, then they might have just done away with that parlance the entire season. Uh, But I guess going back to what Rob's saying, I completely agree with you that I think... I do think their intentions were good. I think that they were, at least initially, really intending to say, like, hey, we want to look out for our friends here and quote-unquote close allies. Let's warn them about this. But I definitely think pushing the and that's why you need to U-turn team fun was really what sent this into the danger zone. right? Because... because that's when Victor and Nicole... Because that's when Victor starts saying, like, oh, you're trying to get us to do your dirty work. And that's when the accusations start flying. And then it doesn't help that, unfortunately, the sisters, Riley, start to then get their right. stories mixed up, which just really perpetuates this false narrative to Victor and Nicole that they're making the whole yeah, thing Yeah, and that
1: is kind of... The other I think the other piece that's at play here is that Victor and Nicole didn't really know that they were in an ironclad tight alliance with Rachel and Alyssa who are coming at them like you are our best friends in this race. And they're like, we mm-hmm. spoke to you maybe three times outside of this show before we came on. And Rachel, apparently, from what I understand on their um, on Victor and Nicole's podcast, they were saying Rachel thought they were best friends because she had liked some of uh rachel's instagram photos and this apparently means your best friends. Yeah. so good news if we're ever on the amazing race with rachel yeah all we got to do is go on her instagram and like a bunch of her photos and then we'll be in an instant alliance so we got that going for us
2: is that, is that the pre-gaming you do for amazing yeah, race? that's
1: the pre-gaming so i've already liked a bunch of her stuff so i think i think well, i'm good <laughs> but you guys yeah. may need to step well, it up.
0: Jess, so I understand <laughs> the justification for why Victor and Nicole didn't feel bad throwing Rachel and Alyssa under the bus. But isn't that not so great strategy of here are these people who are loyal to them and they're like, you think you're loyal to us? Why? Because you liked our pictures on Instagram? No, screw you. Like well, why, I think,
1: uh, I think- why throw away these allies? I think it's more like the ally thing is a bigger deal to Rachel than it is to them. Like Victor and Nicole are just like, we're going to run a good race and we're going to have fun. Why, Um, why throw that away? Because I think they, at this point, it just feels like they're trying to instigate something. It doesn't feel like loyalty to them. I think it feels like we're trying Mm -hmm. to, like you said, we're trying to get them to do the dirty work, but it also feels like, you know, they like team fun. Victor and Nicole are, they have a good vibe with Team Fun. They've spent time with them. And to hear, oh, Team Fun's going to U-turn you, so you better U-turn them. It's like, that's yeah. that's ruining the chill vibe in the room.
0: Like, right. You- so Rachel did a, a bad job with the, uh, the part that uh, made her appear to be uh, self-interested. She said the quiet part out loud of, and so you should U-turn them. Whereas she just said, hey, I just want to let you know, I heard that Team Fun is, uh, and the so you're, you know that they were talking about U-Turning you. I just want to let you know, you should get to the U-Turn board first, but leave out the part of what then you should do with the U-Turn.
2: And also they're leaving out the details of, of them being involved. Right. Too. Like Their story really went from Team Fun wants to U-Turn you, to Team Fun and some other unnamed teams want to U-Turn you, to we just happened to be sitting in the same pizzeria slash pub and overheard these other multiple unnamed teams saying they should U-turn you, but we weren't involved at all, which is just like, again, I could understand why Victor and Nicole, again, were incorrectly paranoid and angry at, you know, accusing them of writing this false story just to stir the pot. At the same time, they did not, you know, paint themselves as the most innocent, the way that they were approaching the way that they were trying to get the story across to them.
1: Yeah, it did not help that the story changed over time. Uh, It certainly... It certainly doesn't make the story more believable. It just kind of feels like she's making things up and throwing them at the wall to see what sticks. Now,
0: Jess, what about the way that Nicole and Victor handled it? Because it seems like that they just went to Team Fun and said like,
1: Hey, did you say that you were going to U-turn us? Yeah, the optics on that aren't particularly great since they did it pretty much immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, That's kind of like it's like everybody can see what's going on there and then it's like of course everybody wants to trust but verify but doing it in front of Rachel and Alyssa now says oh we didn't believe you when you told us that thing i think they need to kind of wait a bit and that may have mm. that may have kept things from getting as out of control as they did
0: <laughs> yeah uh so mike we get this big confrontation then with rachel and Alyssa and nicole and victor where we're trying to uh sort things out and it's sort of rachel is uh kind of hot and victor is hot
2: yeah uh then but rachel does not go after victor here uh she decides to go after nicole by pulling a david wright rob and calling out nicole's brand
0: your brand is watching now what does that mean
2: I'm not entirely sure. I think Rachel was trying to tell them like, hey, you you're you know, you are known for being honest and loyal. But your brand is watching is again to use adages from Mr. Wright is saying like, hey, you're a pilot. You know we're gonna pa- we're gonna be the passengers here. Like, stop trying to take the wheel from us. We know how to fly this thing. It's just, it's not a great. I'm getting lost with all these metaphors. System. Yeah,
1: this is a lot of metaphors. All uh, I listen. heard was, you are known throughout the world as a social media influencer, and if you do something shady on this show, you might lose some sponsors. Oh, your brand is watching oh, you. And is yes. watching. Maybe yes. I'm being too literal minded. Your brand, with your brand
2: this, is not but, literally watching you. It's it's that your brand is in the audience is your brand and they are watching you right now
0: and they are watching that you have thrown a big brother royalty under the bus here nicole
1: yeah i i think i think the big takeaway here and i think something that we all need to remember i think it's good to have this lesson again is don't come for people that have been on big brother because it doesn't end well for you out in the world
3: (laughs) yeah (laughs)
0: Um, and victor is like not having it he wants to uh walk up doesn't want anything to do with rachel mike
2: yeah and on top of that Alyssa, you know accuses rachel of taking cheap cheap shots rachel channeling the most recent amazing race runner accuses victor and nicole of making victim noises Mm -hmm. and that will not be the last time they do that this leg
0: mm-hmm yeah oh, you just want to be uh, the victim and we were trying to help you. But again, the fact that Rachel and Alyssa, their story was they changed some of the facts. It doesn't help their credibility, even though uh, their heart was in the right place. There's only one way that we can at least have uh, some harmony on this train ride. And it comes from an unlikely source, Jess. It was Colin who wanted everybody to Hold hands, even though Rachel Riley was not interested.
1: But this is like, I I, I don't even know what this is like. This was so <laughs> awkward to watch. And I was uh, I was waiting for Colin to like impart some wisdom. And it's like, no, no, we're all going to hold hands and feel the love of the universe. Yeah. And uh, I have it, the clip. If, if you yes, want to hear. Like, okay. I, I hear it. OK, I do want to hear it. All right, here's
0: here's life coach Colin on the train. I think we should all hold hands and literally just feel the love of the universe and like you'll feel it. Come into this group.
4: Are we having a life coach moment? We
0: yes.
2: are. are. <laughs> yeah. I, I, I I'd love Jalen so-
0: on the on the train as a to be uh life coach.
2: Well, I don't know. I don't know if she can get past a certain puzzle in the first leg. Uh, but the, the, I love the, I love this because I know that people are saying, oh, Colin's getting boring when he's not angry. But no, we talked about this last week. Now he has channeled his quirkiness into these holistic feelings. And we got a lot of weird Colin this episode. So I'm here to say that, like... I do not think that, you know, Colin 1.0 is gone. I think Colin 1.0 spent some time out on Ghost Island and has matured into this very weird, quirky, odd man that we see today who is holding love circles and does Colin of Duty, if you will, rolls out of helicopters when they land in fields in Switzerland. Mike, (laughs) were
1: you working on that Colin of Duty joke all day?
2: Um, I mean, I wasn't looking up the uh, the currency of Switzerland, if that's what you're asking.
0: <laughs> yeah. I mean, don't forget about when he was dancing at the silent rave. Yeah,
2: yeah. that's the thing is that I, th- I I think that he's not he's not boring. I, I think that Rob, don't call him boring uh, again, because you know when it comes to Big Brother, adjacent people, that's not a mm-hmm. great thing to do. But I think that I think Colin is a very odd character, and I am personally, yes, we do miss. Crazy, angry Colin, but I just love crazy, crazy Colin that we're getting in this install.
0: Crazy, kooky Colin. Crazy, weird Colin. Yeah, okay. Yeah. All right. So our teams are going to get off the train and we have a three kilometer run, which ends up being uh, probably the most physical task that we've seen on The Amazing Race this season, Jess, right?
1: Yeah, as well as the most difficult determinative factor in who finished where because by the time everybody finishes that run like that's pretty much the order people stay in apart from like a few people getting lost and a few people kind of overtaking someone only to be overtaken again but pretty much you had your top four teams your bottom four teams and it was down to who rocked that run
0: yeah and our friends uh chris and brett ended up having uh, a lot of struggling on, on the uh, on the race. And I'm not sure if uh, they were able to do a, a lot of uh, uh, practicing on uh, these types of things. Not like Tyler and Corey, who uh, might have been getting ready for this type of moment for years. Chris and Brett, I do think, came in late in the casting process. And uh, Brett did, did not uh, shine in this uh, moment, Mike.
2: Well, his forehead shined a lot because it was very sweaty. <laughs> uh, I mean, listen, yeah, they, they brought skinny jeans to the race. I think that that just shows that they were a bit hasty in their preparation. I also love that this entire leg, though, was Brett's You know, sole motivator was him being embarrassed at work. He just had that image in his head of like all the embarrassing photos of this leg that will pop up around the station. He's completely gone past the idea that he started off, you know, in a leotard climbing the inflatable Mount Fuji and missed the clue the first time. Now he's moved on to new possible humiliations that he could experience. Mm-hmm. And
0: this was uh, maybe my favorite moment from the episode where then Chris had to hold Brett's pack. And it ended up uh, even being uh, something that affected. Did Chris Hammonds. It was a really long, hard run. You would have trouble with it too, yeah. Well, I was carrying your bag. <laughs>
5: <laughs> That's a good play. <laughs>
0: Uh, just Brett was even concerned about that the guys on the police force were going to take a picture of Chris Hammonds holding his bag and then the amazing race editors did uh, went one step further and then did the screenshot.
1: Well, I mean, that was nice of them They did him a solid. But, you know, Brett shouldn't be too upset about this because... I get the feeling that it doesn't matter how well he does on the amazing race they're going to find something silly to take a screenshot of and put it up like even if he does perfectly like just pause it at the wrong moment and get his eyes doing something weird and print that one out like i mean it he needs to just relax and have fun because it's coming whether he likes it or not
0: mhm <laughs> yeah all right, so we're going to get to our roadblock, and Mike, we had, everybody had to get up there, and get a number, and then jump onto this rope and swing through the canyon.
2: Rob, it's not a jump, you just step off. I know okay. it sounds a lot like jumping, but that's not the case.
0: Yeah, <laughs> okay. Yeah, that sounds like a jump. Yeah, <laughs> And just this was dazzling to watch. But yeah, I I do. I do see how, you know, it's not a thing anybody could pass you on.
1: No, not particularly. And it also you could only do it one at a time. Like you don't want a lot of traffic down in your gorge while you're doing your jump.
0: No, Uh, Mike, did this look especially dangerous to you?
2: There was one time where Leo, for some reason, derped his way off the ledge and, like, looked like he was legitimately about to fall, you know, and break his neck. Uh, maybe because he was, like, holding onto the rope, but otherwise, no, it just looked like a big old. Rope swing. This is our typical, like, amazing race thrill seeking moment that is gorgeous to look at. And there's some really fun moments. We have, you know, we have Nicole conquering her fear of heights. We have Alyssa and Nicole doing their best. Jesse Spano, I'm so excited. I'm so scared. But outside of that, I would say, you know, not much to write home about. They just did a big old swing. And then once they uh, bounced around in a net for a while, they got their clue and moved on. Jess,
0: uh, I thought at least. Four or five times that one of the Amazing Race contestants was going to hit the face of the, of the uh, cliff wall.
1: That's what they want you to think, Rob. Yes. yes again, so like, this is one of those things that people pay large amounts of money to do. So it's probably not going to kill you.
0: Mm. Okay. Nicole was very scared, Mike. She didn't <laughs> yes. want to do it.
2: And so much so that they dedicated an entire commercial break to it. Because that, again, that was the lone piece of drama you could wring out of this task. Was, ooh, maybe someone will go to the back of the line. But no, Nicole decided to conquer her fear of heights, so this will not be the last time she has to do that this leg.
0: Yeah. She said she would only do it if it was for a million dollars. That was the only reason why she would do it.
2: She also uh, apparently died and came back to life during the course of one swing. Very Jon Snow of Nicole, despite the fact that she's actually engaged to a man who looks like Jon Snow.
5: Oh!
0: Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, Nicole's fear of heights was going to uh, be on display in this episode, Jess.
1: Yeah, but I think we are 31 seasons into this show, and maybe I'm just jaded now, but I need a little bit more out of someone if I'm really to be with them on their journey of overcoming their fear. Um, mm-hmm. She seemed like... Yeah, she was a little trepidatious about it, but she did it, and it kind of, like, I, I thought she rocked it. I was really proud of her in that moment, but there was never a moment where I thought she was going to step to the back of the line or even, like, take a minute to hesitate.
3: Are you serious?
1: <laughs> not even for a second? <laughs> not even for a second. Like, I knew that was happening. Like, that's just not the kind of team they are.
0: Yeah. Okay. Okay. So, all right, let's let's talk about the uh detour here where we're going to talk about water power or water down. One of these tasks was involving uh doing this memorization on the cart that takes you up to the top of the cliff. And the other Phil I thought really tried to sell it Jess. He's like, uh, "Boy, if you like jumping and running through canyons, and this is the detour for you."
1: Well, I liked that he was trying to give us a lesson as well. It really felt like he was he was in school and he was telling us like here today, the word of the day is canyoning and here's what mm-hmm. canyoning is And I'm like, wow, thanks for the lesson, Phil. I feel smarter.
0: Yeah. OK, so the teams are going to take the copters up to go and uh, meet their canyon guides. And Mike, this is where we meet uh, Sebastian, the canyon daddy, a tall drink of water.
2: Very tall drink of water, it looks like. Tall and bearded. Uh, what I do love about Water Down in particular was that it really see not only Sebastian, the Canyon Daddy alone, but all the other members of the Canyon family they were the ones that were spurring the racers along, which is really fun because I feel like we don't usually get that when racers have to go along with a guide for a task. But the, the, the canyon guys were the ones that were like, they're right in front of us. Come on, guys, let's keep going. Let's keep going. Let's not take in the scenery, which I thought was a fun way for them to sort of get involved and, you know, occupy their day to bring these Americans around and have them plunge into rivers.
0: Just this was also where we uh, get Colin jumping out of the helicopter and uh, rolling around on the ground.
2: I
1: think these are some of the best moments of reality television are the moments you don't expect things to happen, and really that's not even the main action in that scene. It's just happening in the background. <laughs> right And I think like if Mario Lanza were writing up the funny 115 for "The Amazing Race," this is a very Mario Lanza kind of moment.-hmm.: Yeah, even if it's only uh, a couple of seconds. Oh, sure. Just a split second of something weird happening in the background like that is his bread and butter. I think he'd really appreciate this.
0: Okay, we are going to see uh, Nicole and Victor and the Afghanimals are going to go ahead and do uh, water power. Mike, the, the water power challenge was was not as exciting.
2: I mean, it was essentially, you know, go extreme canyoning versus like memorize some numbers and words. Uh, as you go up a hill, I-, I will say what makes this was probably the mnemonic devices that they would use. I didn't know we'd learn so much about Leo's life, but it mm-hmm. turns out he does have several moments that I guess link up to it. And who knew Nicole and Victor were so into tater tots?
0: Yes. Three tater tots. Don't talk or you'll screw me up. And nobody screwed this up, Jess.
1: Yeah, it didn't seem like it. And it also, it seemed like they were kind of, they were tasks where I think if you did water power... It would probably, if you got it done in one, it would be slightly less time than doing the whole canyoning thing. But if you had to do it twice, it would potentially take longer. That was my feeling about it because it did seem like, you know, that you had to wait for the funicular and it was only coming every 15 minutes. Mm-hmm. But. It seemed like it was kind of that sort of dichotomy where it's like, here's a thing that's going to take you a fixed amount of time versus a thing that might take less time if you do it well. And teams that did it well did great. Yeah. Um, and. Props to the Amazing Race for teaching people what funiculars are. And this has been true for many seasons. This is the only reason I knew what one was.
0: Yeah, uh, that uh, God knows that if I had to take a quiz before this podcast and the question was, what is the name of the thing that took the teams up the mountain? I would not have gotten it right.
1: They use that word so many times, Rob, like if you watch a lot of seasons at once, I think the way that I came into Amazing Race, there were a lot of funiculars, especially in those early seasons. And it's a word that just kind of sticks in your head.
0: OK, so back in the canyon, we end up having a seemingly what's looking to be a foot race between Chris and Brett. And the Riley sisters,
2: uh, uh, the, the yeah. O'Reilly no, the the yes, sisters, <laughs> no,
0: was, I, was I just hearing things or Chris and Brett referring to them as the O'Reilly sisters?
2: I I, I feel like Brett called them the O'Reilly sisters for some reason. I don't know if, she's, if he takes them as some sort of like ornery Irish people, but I do love, I guess, this new random nickname for them.
0: Yeah. Maybe uh, he works with a lot of O'Reilly's.
2: Were mm, or the O'Reilly's the ones that put up all the the photos of Chris holding his bag in the bullpen? <laughs> Probably,
0: yeah. Sergeant O'Reilly definitely was on uh, the, the bulletin board beat.
1: They're in the yearbook next to the O'Doyles.
0: Mm-hmm, yeah. Uh, <laughs> O'Reilly rules.
2: <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> okay, so Brett is also uh, with a fear of heights, Mike.
2: Yeah, and uh, which again, it was an opportunity, you know, we got another, again, stinger in commercial break because there wasn't a lot to sort of build drama out of where Brett was sort of freaking out, going down the rappel wall. But you know what? He was able to do it. They gave him the opportunity to jump for the clue. So, I mean, uh, I don't know if he had the similar second life that Nicole did, you know, since he didn't participate in the roadblock. But suffice it to say, I think that while it did slow them down, they caught right back up and it leads to essentially the big tension of the last 10 minutes which is the two of them fighting for last place not knowing that an entirely different team comes in last anyway
0: right so the teams are gonna have to go and drive to the church that phil is set up at jess i, I thought that this was very interesting the four amazing race teams had no issue had no problems with this and it was the three non-amazing race teams that were going to really struggle with the uh driving themselves to where the pit stop was was this a a coincidence or was this a case of the amazing race veterans having this clocked
1: well this is really correct me if i'm wrong this is the first time they've had to drive themselves anywhere
2: yeah i'm pretty sure i think uh, aside from the first leg when they were driving out of those the the beach i'm pretty sure this is the first self-driving component of the race
1: Yeah, and it's not an easy set of roads to drive on. Mm -hmm. So it's certainly, I think, every Amazing Race team has done something like this already, although they certainly don't do as much of it as they used to. They've had one or two legs or they've had to drive themselves. Mm -hmm. And the four Amazing
0: Race teams all were able to ace it, Just Is, Is there something that the Amazing Race teams did right? Did they stop for directions earlier?
1: Um, I think they knew how and when to ask, uh, for directions. And I think one thing that I heard from, again, from Nicole and Victor's excellent podcast, which I don't mean to make this an entire ad for you guys to go listen to Coco Caliente, but they mentioned that they got, they asked for directions from like four different people and every single one of those four people gave them the wrong directions. Mm -hmm. And it had to do with the fact that the parking lot for the tourists was different from the parking lot where the cars were. So the tourists were telling them all to make a left and they were supposed to go right or something like that. And so that kind of started it. And I think other teams might have seen one team go the wrong way and follow them and think, oh, they know where they're going. And Mm -hmm. it turns out they're not.
0: Right. So teams start checking in at the mat. Tyler and Corey uh, are first place. They are uh, at the mat, and they win uh, an interesting prize, Mike. They won a spa day before the next leg of the race.
2: So was it before the next day, of the leg of the race, or was it just a trip to a nondescript spa? I wasn't entirely sure.
0: I thought it was before the next leg of the race. Jess, did
1: you get that? That was the impression I got, but I also get kind of caught up in Phil pronouncing the word spa. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> but it did seem like he implied that this was something they would have to enjoy right away. And that's kind of an unusual, that's an unusual situation with the show. It's not unprecedented, yeah. but yeah. it's, it's a little strange.
2: Yeah. That, that's why, that's why, that's why I asked. Cause it, was, it wasn't like, go enjoy this spa. Now it'll be also be interesting. Hopefully they're like on massage tables during the U-turn vote. Like it has to be combined with their spa day just the same time.
0: Yes. Do Tyler and Corey get to pick one other team to join them on the spa reward? <laughs>
1: Well, I don't think the show is uh, prepared for that kind of budget outlay.
0: Okay. <laughs> Only uh, one team can go to the spa reward. Okay. Uh, we're going to then have uh, some more about the teams that are lost. I guess let's just talk about the other teams that check in. Colin and Christie are two. Team Funner three. Uh, Afghanimals are team number four. Uh, a- anything to note here on the Amazing Race teams all checking in?
2: It uh, looks like while the water power thing of both teams really powered through pretty easily, I guess the problem was waiting for that funicular since there was only one rail they could use. So if you're wondering, hey, Leo and Jamal left the, de- the detour in first, how did they fall down to fourth? My assumption is maybe combined with some bad navigation, they lost 15 to 20 minutes just waiting to get back down the mountain to begin with, which probably put them behind at least Tyler and Corey.
0: Okay, so... We have this, uh, really interesting showdown between, uh, Rachel and Alyssa and Chris and Brett. And just this was exciting. This was like a movie where, uh, we had like this, uh, race in the car and then, uh, Rachel and Alyssa are just following Chris and Brett. And they're like, uh, do they know where they're going? Well, we don't know, but just stay right behind them. And then uh, they both stop to ask directions, and then we get this uh, like uh, three point turn block
1: from the O'Reilly sisters. Yeah, this is like this is like watching people play Mario Kart.
0: <laughs> yeah, if only uh, the O'Reilly sisters had like the uh, red turtle shell.
2: Yeah, or the I mean, banana did, peel. I, or, yeah. Oh, well, is it essentially the U-turn? The the like comparison to the blue shell in Mario Kart, where you try to hit off a, a strong leader and send them to the back of the pack so they don't get first anymore.
0: Well, you but you have to use it on somebody that's uh, behind you on the U-turn. So I don't think you can uh, do that in Mario Kart.
2: Yeah, I guess that's true. Uh, I guess that's something you can more so put behind you. I'm not entirely sure, but yeah, there's a lot of a lot of crazy action going on between these two teams. But I love that it was literally the blind leading the blind, and that. You know, I think if you're asking before about asking for directions, it really does seem like these two teams in particular didn't ask anybody. They just hopped in their cars and were in a blind panic and said, let's just start driving. And as a result, they neither one of them had any idea where to go. And so they could have possibly, you know, screwed themselves even further had Victor and Nicole got not gotten even more lost. But I just loved how much it was essentially a big game of chicken. Right? It was them saying, like, okay, if we stop, then they're going to stop. But if we keep going, then they're going to keep going. So we have to figure out exactly what the timing is to prevent us from falling in last place.
0: Right. Uh, A real prisoner dilemma, Jess.
1: Yeah, and it's a prisoner's dilemma that could have taken them like halfway to Italy at this point. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, but this was so exciting because he felt like, okay, oh wow, this is a, a race for last place. Uh, whoever gets it last is going to get eliminated. And then the big blind side was, no, they're fifth and sixth, and Victor and Nicole are in last place.
2: And this was not a great look for Victor and Nicole either. I don't know if they spoke about it, Jess, but uh, some surprising conflict. Between the two of them. I guess the stress was super high. But I know Victor in particular. He was running hot that entire day. And so I guess it didn't help that he was getting very frustrated. at The more lost they got.
0: Frustrated with Nicole. This is before they get to the mat.
1: Yeah and frustrated I think with life in general. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. So we have this big confrontation on the mat here once uh Victor and Nicole get there for the second time this season uh we see the Rachel and Alyssa you know uh, getting into a little bit of a of a dust up here on the mat and i have a uh clip of Victor and Nicole versus uh Rachel and Alyssa at the mat and let's let's listen back and then we'll weigh in on
2: all of this we if I if I was. warn you about another team possibly doing something to you, would you not want to maybe verify that? Absolutely not.
5: We, we would we never would be like under Thank the bus. you so much for I'm not saving saying, us. Thank, thank you, you so much. much. This yes. is not even. And we're not playing
3: Big Brother. Like, look, I know we're not playing Big Brother. look.
2: At the end of the day, it's fine. It's over. Like we don't
5: want to be yelled at about not getting. We're just training to right now. She's we didn't want
2: to be in this mess at all. You should have just never told us anything. We should have just played the game. I don't want to hurt. I didn't do anything.
5: If <laughs> you want to talk about playing okay. That's
4: up. fine. Then just stop it. No, well, That's it. It's, it's okay. No it's avoid. over. She's had no a avoid. hard day. It's fine. It's okay. no one,
2: okay. void. Everything's but done. No, if so we're silly. out, we're out. If we're, I know you didn't, know. babe. It's fine.
0: By the way, that was not uh, able to be distinguished by any person. What Nicole said there at the end.
1: That was orchestral. Uh, that was yes. like that was like listening to a string quartet. You had like every different instrumental voice all playing at once in an indistinguishable harmony.
0: Yes. I know you
2: didn't babe,
0: it's fine. I think that's why Victor and Nicole perfect it because Victor understood what she said.
2: Also, you could hear Brett's shit-eating grin throughout all this, right? Like, <laughs> yeah. like you, we, we can't have the visual of it, but the camera cuts to Brett so nicely during this part where he's just sitting there looking back being like, wow, wow, all right, we are screwed by these amazing race teams. This is what the non-amazing race teams are, are have in terms of metal at this point.
0: Yeah. What about the victor's uh, point? Hey, you should have never told us that you heard a team was going to U-turn us, Jess.
1: I don't even, I I don't know that I necessarily, I guess I get where he's coming from, where he's like, it felt like in the moment she was instigating drama and he didn't really feel like he, it was the kind of game that he wanted to play, Mm -hmm. I guess, but it was a little overblown. I think, I think... At a certain point, I I believe that Rachel genuinely thought that she was bringing something to the table that was helpful to people that she thought she was in an alliance with. And that is just not how it came off at all. And... I, I guess I buy it that it's probably better not to have said anything at all.
0: No. Well, I think that Victor and Nicole could have handled this a, a lot mm. better. And I think that Victor and Nicole want to have Rachel and Alyssa out of the race. I think they want to be the last Big Brother team standing.
1: Can you blame mm. them? i us say um, it's a good way to be. I
0: guess it's a good I mean, is it a good way to be or is it better to work with the teams that are from your show?
2: I mean, uh, Chris and Brett have survived for a bit being the last Survivor team, so maybe they feel like they'll become less threatening. The problem I have with this one, uh, this this exchange, because I do agree that Nicole and Victor do not come off great here, is Nicole's assertion, and look, I understand where she's coming from when she says she's had a rough day. She has had to conquer her fear multiple times. You know, She's been driven to and from everywhere in the Alps. She's been in last place. But when she says, we didn't mean to intentionally hurt anybody... I don't know if that's true when they purposely immediately went to Team Fun and said, BT Dubs, I think the Rileys are making things up about you. That does not particularly scream to me like, very innocent, oh no, you're unintentional victims. We didn't mean to do anything with our actions.
0: Yeah, I think there was a way to verify the information or at least to be a little more careful about it, where that, you know, Rachel and Alyssa come to them. They have kind of a shady story. I think that there was a way if it was a 50 50 ball of just either they're telling the truth or they're lying. I feel like then there's only you know, you're all in on their liars at the point that you go and out them in a public setting like that
1: but is, is is this like the puzzle where you ask one of them what the other one would say? Hmm. Like is this one of them always telling the truth and one of them is always lying. Who
2: yeah, so the Nick, Victor and Nicole are the two doors in labyrinth and they have to <laughs> exactly. figure out which which one of them is the constant liar and which one is the one that you're gonna get the straight T from.
0: Yeah. So Okay. It was exciting. It was exciting. Everybody was wrong, and it was exciting.
2: I love that after a while, I would say, of not having any dust-ups at the mat, we have now had two in a season, and somehow Rachel and Alyssa, they are the common denominator, but the situation they were in this time is very different from last time. Where last time, they were at least trying to, you know... Fake their way through their feelings with Corinne and Eliza, and Corinne and Eliza weren't having it. Here, they brazenly let everything out into the open. It's a very different Rachel and Alyssa than what we saw beforehand.
0: Yeah, well, I think this was a betrayal on uh, Rachel's part. Where like we came to, we try, we tried to help you, and you guys uh, totally screwed us over.
1: Yeah, they could write a song about being screwed over. I hear that's popular. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. And what's so interesting
0: about this now is that this sets up. In next week's episode where Chekhov's U-turn is not the U-turn board, Mike, but the long-awaited U-turn vote. And I can't see this going well for the O'Reilly sisters.
2: They are going to have their pictures up on the wanted board in the yeah. Amazing Race bullpen. <laughs>
0: Maybe. Uh, but- the best case there might be if people vote for the O'Reilly sisters and, uh, well, that wasn't us. That's, that's not yeah. us.
2: They have mustaches and like derby hats on, like those rascally O'Reilly's. Well, I think I totally agree. I think they're completely screwed, but that is not the right decision that they should be making whatsoever. They are totally, I think, seeing uh, the short game instead of the long game when it comes to what happens next leg.
0: How so? What do you mean?
2: Well, if you're looking at Nicole and Victor, who you have two teams in the very beginning of the leg say, hey, they're a strong, consistent team. We should get rid of them. You have a prime opportunity where, yes, speed bumps this season have not exactly been the most time-consuming. But now you have a chance of, you know, one wanting your team sort of coming in a bit handicapped by a mm-hmm. task they already have to do. Why not take advantage of that, know that now they're going to have to do an additional task on top of that and try to use that as an opportunity to get out one of the strongest teams in the race?
0: Jess, what do you think about this? What will overcome here, the animosity or the desire to take out a strong team at the uh, U-turn vote?
1: Well, I think the problem is that it is a vote. And I think everybody is going to be thinking in terms of how is everybody else going to vote? Because there may be the team that you strategically think would be the best move for you to U-turn. But is that the team everybody else thinks is the most strategic sound choice for them and i think the answer is everybody's going to go to the lowest common denominator and everybody would be happy to vote for everybody would be happy to vote for the o'reilly sisters and i think that's who everybody's going to vote for should this be a secret ballot then jess i think it is going to be a secret ballot i i i don't know i it's hard to tell what's going to happen here, but whether it's going to be like, you put your picture up. I have seen this done in other international seasons of the show, Okay, and it was a semi-secret ballot, and I believe maybe it was revealed later. This was in Amazing Race Australia season two, um, one of my favorite seasons, incidentally, But they and they brought it out like it was something that everybody was expecting and said, okay, we're going to vote to U-turn somebody and... Everybody was able to choose, and then I think at the end, like after it had happened, it was revealed who had voted for whom. But in the moment, you didn't know who other people were voting for. Mm-hmm.
2: I, I seem to recall, maybe I misremembering that next time on promo. I think Phil said something along the lines of an open vote. So again, we can probably get fact-checked there, but I would prefer a, an anonymous vote because I feel like it's something you see in the challenge all the time where a secret vote is going to lead to much more chaos and split votes, whereas when you do a vote out loud, usually it's just going to depend on the order of everything, where if you have one or two teams that start the ball rolling on racial Alyssa, you can pretty much bet that everyone else is just going to hop on that bandwagon to avoid getting anyone else mad
0: at the very least i'd love to see like write your vote on a chalkboard and then put it down and then let's reveal one at a time as opposed to because then after the first two people say Rachel and Alyssa then everybody else is just going to pile on you're not going to want to throw out a name that's not going to get you turned
1: Yeah, it's like the survivor jury solution where everybody has to talk and come to a consensus. Mm -hmm. Uh, I don't think that's I think all that's going to result in is Rachel and Alyssa getting U-turned. And I think I don't see an outcome, honestly, where they're not the team that everybody picks. Mm -hmm. I, I just don't see it regardless of whether the votes are shown, whether votes are not shown, whether people know how everybody else is voting. I cannot see a situation in which people don't just pile on them because they're an easy target and there's not there's also not the urgency like you don't know what place people are in at that point i think it's a quite different situation when you're rolling up to the u-turn board and you know who's behind you and you know who can afford to take that hit and who can't and i think if everybody's on equal ground voting for someone to have a u-turn is a very different experience
0: Let's talk about the fact that we had another non-elimination leg that's hmm. three times in five legs. Mike, we talked about this last week of The Amazing Race potentially trying They have these all-star teams. Uh, might they burn all of the non-elimination legs early to keep this cast together?
2: And they did. It's yeah. actually very comparable to like the first couple of seasons on The Amazing Race where they really repeated this pattern of, okay, Final six, non-elimination. Final six, elimination. Final five, non-elimination. Final five, elimination. They sort of alternated back and forth. Uh, so I could understand, I think, that they wanted to keep as many eyes on the screen as possible. And that means increasing the chances of, you know, their favorites being on there by increasing the pool of contestants that are left. That being said, I think we can expect exit interviews from here on out. Uh, you know, usually in an Amazing Race season, they will have three legs that are either denoted a non-elimination or what's known as a keep-on-racing, mm-hmm. which is sort of like a non-elimination where they'll get to the mat and instead of Phil saying, okay, you're done, it'll be, okay, you checked in, your team number four, and also you're moving on to the next leg right now. So it's sort of like a pseudo-non-elimination. So we usually get a combination of three of those every season. It feels like we've expended our three wishes already, and I guess the way <laughs> that things time out, I could see a team go home every round now, until the final three uh that being said i think what this also suffers from is and why people are so angry is the fact that since we happened to have the double episode last week this is technically the second week in a row that we've had a non-elimination so i can understand why people are sort of throwing their hands up at this point being like again
0: Mm Hmm. yeah just did it bother you it didn't bother
1: me i think i think they made up for it by making the leg full of, like, great scenery and lots of inter-team conflict. Like, I barely noticed that nobody went home at the end of all that because that was kind of the most exciting thing that's happened on a mat in at least two episodes. Mm -hmm. So (laughs) it was like they had enough going on this episode that I didn't feel like I was spending the whole episode just kind of craving that moment of release when somebody goes home and there is one fewer team. Like I was kind of caught up in the action. I don't think I I don't think I really missed it. And I think it really does seem like they want to keep the as many episodes as possible with as many teams as possible. So in a season like this when everybody's coming in from other From other fandoms, they want to keep you around as long as possible. And if everybody who's not an amazing race person gets kicked off right away, that lessens the chance that we're going to keep those big brother eyes and those survivor eyes on the show. So let's put all our non elimination legs up front so that you have seven legs with at least one representative from each of the three factions.
0: Yeah. All right, we're going to open up our Amazing Race mailbag, but I want to take a moment and thank our other sponsor for this episode of the podcast. And those are our friends over at DC Universe. Uh, This episode of the podcast is brought to you by DC Universe, the first all-DC platform for us DC fans. Join us at dcuniverse.com and get sucked into new original series like the highly touted Titans or catch up on favorites like Krypton Season 1 starting on May 31st. That's Friday. Jump into the new episodes of Swamp Thing dropping weekly and follow Abby Arcane as she investigates what seems to be a deadly swamp born virus in a small town in Louisiana and soon discovers that the swamp holds mystical and terrifying secrets. You can also get your comic book fix with thousands of new comic titles just added to an already impressive comic library. This includes more recent titles and complete storylines like Superman Secret Origin, Batman 2011, and Harley Quinn 2013. Also available on the platform are a ton of classic DC movies we love like Batman and the original Super. Superman movie. If animated films are more your speed, sign up now because Reign of the Supermen and Justice League versus Fatal Five are now available. DC Universe is available on your favorite devices. So if you were thinking about it before, now's definitely the time. Join and get a year's worth of DC content at DCUniverse.com. Okay, let's open up our Amazing Race mailbag, Jess.
1: Yeah, we got many, many questions and comments from our listeners, both in the Rob Has Podcast patron Facebook group and on Twitter. And I think we want to start. We got people actually pitching us topics for our Amazing Race 101 segment. So if we want to go right into that off the top, let's cue the song. Amazing Race
4: 101.
1: All right.
2: I do like the syllabus being created for this course, uh, apparently crowdsource syllabus.
1: Yeah, well, I people, I, people are responding to my segment and that makes me happy. So, and if they bring the topic to me, that's less work that I have to do. Okay. So the first question comes from Holly Tooker, who says, where are their backpacks while they're leaping through the canyons? Does production take the backpacks to a spot where they can pick them up? Hmm. And this is an interesting Topic uh, that kind of goes Into some behind the scenes things and that is About the gear that people bring With them on the show And people are Not specifically instructed to bring one thing or another. They have a few things they're not allowed to bring and production may take some things out of their bags, but people are really on their own as far as what they want to pack and how much they want to bring. And a lot of teams have this down to a science and you can find lots of videos on YouTube of various teams across various amazing races getting ready for the race and what they decide to bring in their bag. This has become a very popular kind of side topic, but everything you have is on your backpack that you've chosen yourself and Most of the time, that backpack has to be with you. When you check in at the mat, if that backpack's not with you, you don't have it for the rest of the race. And something that if you are, if you yourself are getting ready to try out for the Amazing Race and you're really serious about it, I hope you're going to the gym and running on the treadmill with the backpack on your back because that's something you do a lot of. But there are certain points across the race when it is not safe for legal reasons or reasons of liability to have that backpack on your person. And in those cases, there's a designated place where you would leave your stuff and then it would either be brought to you at the end of the task or you just go and pick it up. And there was actually back in season 18, there was a moment where teams had an area where they could leave their stuff And one team left their stuff there. Another team came and accidentally picked up that team's stuff, thinking it was theirs, and moved it and cost the other team some time. And it was one of the bigger sources of conflict on the show. Mm -hmm. Uh, So the answer, I guess the short answer to that is when you're leaping through the canyons, your backpacks are in a safe place and then you can retrieve them afterwards.
0: Jess, are you, the team still allowed to drop their backpack when Phil is in sight?
1: I believe so. I believe they're allowed to drop their backpack when they are in sight of the mat. And I don't know. This may have been changed for the U.S. version. I don't believe it has. But I know for a fact that on the Canadian version, that has come up uh, where people have dropped their bags too early and had to go back and get them. Ooh. But basically, like if you can see Phil... Or John or whoever is standing on that mat, according to what country you're representing, it's okay to put your backpack down and then run it out the rest of the way. Mm -hmm. That's my understanding, anyway. So, that's one Amazing Race 101 question we got this week. Okay, Um, We got... I think this is kind of tongue-in-cheek but I think it's a fun i think it's a fun topic to explore uh richard enlow says amazing rice 101 when do they sleep and eat and how much rice do they get? Hmm.
0: <laughs>
2: where do they go to the bathroom yes.
0: can they negotiate for more rice
2: <laughs> um, Could you imagine I, they just said like you get thirty dollars and this small bag of rice for the sake of the race
1: <laughs> <laughs> is it cooked
2: no, no, that's what you you have to find the person's home and cook the rice on your own time. That's the risk you take or you eat it dry. Mm-hmm.
1: What do you think they do in the airports? They're all looking for microwaves to cook their rice. Wow.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, so I mean, sleepy, sleeping and eating is mostly it's the airport downtime. right? Airports and pit stops are the main times that they sleep and eat.
1: Yeah, basically. Um, And they are fed during the pit stops. Like after they check in on the mat, there is an unspecified amount of time between the time they check in and the time they leave for the next leg. And it depends on what production's doing and when the flights are. But during that time, they have a hotel room and they have craft services and they are fed. But when they are out on the course during a leg, they're not fed and they're not provided with any kind of accommodations to sleep unless we're shown it. So... Yeah, it's you'll nap in the airport, and if you want to use some of the money you were given for the leg to buy some food, you can, but you might run out of money, so people tend to try not to do that. Mm-hmm. And also, rice. I think, yes, hence the rice, but they are they're not given any actual food or rice or anything, as far as I know, during the actual leg. It's only during pit stops that they're cared for on a basic bodily need level. So uh, I hope that answers that question. Yes. Um, And then here's here's one that I think is uh, worth worth noting. Uh, Melanie Novak says, how many days is the actual race? It looks completely exhausted. Mm -hmm. And the answer to that is it's about three and a half weeks. Yeah. So they're pretty much it's pretty much every other day they're out doing something short.
2: And you can imagine why all the Survivor and Big Brother teams would sign up then, right? Because they're like, oh, we do a month and a half on an island or we do three months in the Big Brother house. This is going to be a snap. Right.
0: They are saying, like, you wouldn't even miss that many podcasts.
2: <laughs> exactly. That's the main reason why certain people might want to go on the race.
1: <laughs> it's very enticing. <laughs> yeah, Baby, that's that's what I've heard people get
2: told. Yes. So yes. how many days does typically each leg run in that case?
1: Um, I think every every actual leg is pretty much over the course of one day, and then you have your pit stop, which is overnight, and however much longer it could be twelve hours, it could be forty eight hours. And of course, there's also the travel time, which sometimes that can be up to a day. Mm-hmm. I think it there's really there's a lot more downtime than there is actual racing time, just because there's so much logistics that have to happen between the legs. Okay, and you can find filming dates. I think every season of the show, if you go on Wikipedia, the filming dates for the season are listed.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And in fact, we can we can say, uh, according to Wikipedia, for this season of The Amazing Race, the filming dates were June 10th to July 3rd, 2018. So mm-hmm. just about a year ago, they were getting ready to get out there and run the race. Mm-hmm. Which means that just about a year ago, we were recording our drafts. <laughs>
0: And it's finally here.
1: What
2: a difference a year makes. We were chomping on rice, ready to talk about all these rice racing people.
1: <laughs> yes, indeed. Um, I hope I, and you know, I cooked mine. I don't know about you, Mike. Mm-hmm.
2: Nope. Nope. Did not did not think about cooking it. I just ate it right out of the bag, fistful by fistful, which makes the choices that I made very understandable in that draft podcast.
1: <laughs> I I mean I I don't think anybody could have a worse reasoning for choosing the teams than i did but it seems to have worked out
2: pretty well so so far far. so good yeah so far so good yeah
1: yeah i'm I'm mopping the floor with everybody else and it's all down to the fact that one of the teams made me promise that if they ever went back on the show i'd draft them first hey whatever works yeah yeah i'm I'm not mad at it so rob before we go on to the next question do you want to explore the know it alternative universe Uh, i would love to
2: Cool. Okay. All right, let's go into Switzerland. Uh, All right. So, I mean, so here's the thing with the roadblock. This is going to be the easiest decision that I think we've ever made here, because I think if you present a bunch of tasks in front of Steven Fishback and you say, which one of these do you think is the most likely to cause CTE? He's going to look at that swing and he's going to say, ding, ding, (laughs) ding. So I feel like he's totally going to make you do that. Yeah, you
0: know, I think I would actually do it. I would not like to bungee jump, but I feel like the fact that there's like some forward motion on this where it's kind of like you're swinging on a rope. I know there is a real free fall element to it, but I feel like that this isn't as bad as say. just jumping out of a plane or doing bungee jumping so uh, i think i would have much like nicole and brett i I think i would have uh had to suck it up and do it
2: all right so water power versus water down jess what do you think our know-it-alls are gonna take here
1: um i think that once again uh you have steven concerned about injuring his beautiful brain and i Mm -hmm. think they end up taking water power
0: probably the water could have been cold. Could be frostbite.
2: Plus, I yeah, don't think yeah. you want to introduce your wives to Sebastian the Canyon Daddy for fear of other conversations <laughs> what, what, on the show. Yeah, I don't know. It could be the new Jay Byers in the cesternino household.
0: Eh, look, the the real Jay Byers uh, didn't do that much damage. I'm not worried about <laughs> Sebastian the Canyon Daddy.
2: Uh, and I guess last question I'll ask Jess of Robin Steven, Who do you think? you know, would be the first one to ask for directions between the two?
1: Um, I think I think Rob would ask for directions before Stephen would. Mm,
0: I think Stephen uh, wouldn't, like, th- there would be no sort of like, hey, uh, I'm too uh, macho to ask for directions right here. Like, th- that wouldn't be a concern.
1: It's not a macho thing so much as I think he would feel like he knew where he was going much longer than he would actually know where he was going.
0: No, I don't think that Steven ever feels like he knows where he's going. <laughs> I think that he would be very quick to ask. I think he would not even want to get in the car until we ask somebody.
2: And do you think Steven would be one of those ones to be like, okay, we can follow you, right? Can you drive to the church and we'll follow you? Right. Right. Can you drive automatic? Hey, yeah.
1: you're not allowed um, to do that anymore, Mike. Mm-hmm.
2: That's true. <laughs>
0: So uh, I think that we would have, uh, you know, uh, not gone too far without stopping to ask somebody for help.
2: All right. Well, uh, that was a little bit of a shortened version of the know-it-alternate universe this week. But again, I think that deals with the actual composition of the leg. Uh, we'll put a pin in the U-turn vote until next time, because I feel like that's when the know-it-alls, the uh, the paragons of strategy, will truly come out to shine.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Yep. All right. So we want some more mailbag. Yes. All right. Um, well, let's go to the U-turn while we're while we're on the subject. Um, Nick Fishman says, does it only make sense for the voting thing to also occur in a double U-turn where one other team could still get U-turned? Ooh.
2: Hmm. that's a good point. But I guess so I guess that does give the U-turn team a chance at revenge. And it also I don't know. Is it unfair that it gives the other teams a chance to U-turn another team as well?
1: Well, I don't think so. I think it gives you an incentive to get to that board first. And I think anything on this show that gets people motivated, I mean, the million dollars can only go so far. you got to light a fire under people periodically. Mm-hmm. So I, I think it's I think it's good. I think if you say, OK, the first U-turn is already spoken for, but you could U-turn someone else if you got there first. I think, you know, let's let's say Rachel and Alyssa get U-turned. Let's say they book it to that U-turn board. They're able to U-turn someone in turn. But if another team gets there before them, they can just U-turn. They can do the thing where they U-turn a team that's in front of them so that there is no U-turn available. Right?
2: Mm. Yeah, and this would be the, that would be the <laughs> first team in that case where not a double U-turn, but two single U-turns would be on the same leg of the race, which I don't think has ever happened before.
1: Yeah, and I, and I think that would be interesting. But maybe they don't want to roll out more unprecedented stuff in one leg. Right,
2: so mm-hmm. We already have record setting going on.
1: <laughs> yeah, let's, let's not try to take the shine off of that. Yes. Uh, will it be a
0: major disappointment if Rachel ends up finishing one leg short of the record, Jess?
1: I mean, I feel like if she completes the next leg... It counts. I think she still beats the record, but I also then think the Afghanimals mathematically could overtake her if they ended up going all the way.
0: Yes. Yeah. Will the Cowboys and what is it Globetrotters? Uh, will Will they pop a bottle of champagne, Mike, if Rachel is eliminated this week?
2: Uh, I suppose so, assuming that either one of the teams still watches the show.
1: <laughs> yeah, I think their lives are fine. <laughs> uh,
2: but I, I I will say I think that the drop of the record setting this week does not portend well to the chances for the two of them next week even more because i feel like if if you felt like they were going to break the record and keep going don't you think that would be a bigger deal next week instead of this week
1: that's a good point but Hmm. at that point they didn't know what was ahead of them like they didn't know how it was going to turn out like you know rachel and Alyssa could still go all the way you guys
2: yeah yeah listen they've done it she rachel's done it twice before so she has that magic in her
1: it's it's true. I, I think we need to not count them out yet. Anything could happen. OK, so let's find let's find another question. Uh, I like this kind of general purpose question from Charlie West. Uh, could Big Brother or Survivor repeat the formula of a cast made up of former players from the three CBS reality shows, parenthetically, mm-hmm. or four if you count Utopia?
2: But you told me it wasn't on CBS. <laughs> it was on Fox.
1: It was on Fox. So
0: I feel like that Survivor would naturally be able to uh, structure a season around the uh, CBS reality Trinity There is no way that Jeff Probst would ever in a million years um, want to do a season of Survivor versus Big Brother versus The Amazing Race. I don't know what they had to tell the powers that be at The Amazing Race to make this happen. Maybe it's like, hey... Give us this and then next season you can have all new people and you don't have to have anybody from Big Brother and Survivor and we'll get and we'll already green light the next season and not not have you guys have to sing for your supper like we make you do every single season. I, I suspect that that was the type of conversation that had to get this greenlit in terms of Big Brother we have had an amazing race team go right from the amazing race <laughs> into big brother 17 when it was uh jeff and jackie went right from the blind date amazing race into the big brother house yes um jackie i think uh people remember her fondly jeff uh, not as much <laughs> in the big brother house and uh you know we have had a amazing race success in win survivor and um you know, would love to see her uh, get the chance to play again. So, uh, there is some overlap.
1: Yeah, and we've I had Big Brother that, uh, contestants play Survivor.
0: Yeah, Hayden. Hayden and Hayden Caleb. went far.
2: Yes. I don't know if beast we'd Moe call cowboy. what he was
1: doing playing, but...
2: Yeah. Game changer, Beast Mode Cowboy. Yes. Listen, I, we could technically say, did Caleb technically complete 18 days of Survivor? Because he got medevac during one of them.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't think that no. counts as
0: a complete day. Yes. Uh, no Survivor contestant has played Big Brother yet. That, yeah. that is correct. Not, right, Mike? not
2: unless you count the four Survivors that came in on Big Brother 2 to compete against no. the house guests. Uh, otherwise, no. no, not yet. Though I would say if we have, like, between Survivor and Big Brother, I honestly feel like you could get contestants from these three reality shows onto Big Brother, I think, more likely than Survivor. Because I know that Amazing Race is about, you know, being... Uh, it's a very physical type of season which Survivor sort of uh, lends itself well to but I don't know I think Big Brother and you're looking at some of these people like I could see a, I could see a situation in another timeline where Tyler and Corey enter the Big Brother house and you know compete and Tyler reveals that he's a you know an ultra mega super social media influencer to his uh, to his teammates including or his alliance mates including an unsuspecting Nicole I mean
0: maybe that would be a celebrity Big Brother uh, season
2: yeah That could be it as well. Because, again, we... I mean, Celebrity Brother, Big Brother has really stretched the definition of celebrity in the past. I could honestly... You know,
0: for- Either of these guys would be bigger than uh, Just about anybody they've ever had on Celebrity Big Brother <laughs> Yeah,
2: that's, that's very true And look, for all the rumors of Johnny the Bananas Always being on Celebrity Big Brother I feel like you could put a, a Survivor contestant up there And call them a celebrity as well
0: I mean, Mike, that the Big Brother rumor mill Is pretty rock solid Every Big Brother rumor I've ever heard Has always come true
2: Completely, uh, that's why I cannot wait There's for-
0: never been fake rumors about Big Brother before
2: no Yeah, even exactly do that. Not, not coming out of Nevada at all
0: <laughs> yeah um also Jess, who could forget that russell hance's own brother willie hance got to play on big brother uh what was it 14 yeah I, uh, with janelle and Brittany.
1: i understand that did not go well for him
0: mm, Yeah,
2: i mean it, it did pretty well if the goal of the game is to headbutt somebody it was
0: a great week of live feeds it went great for me
2: yeah wow. it, was, it, it was rob's first parody song it was like the birth of the wand off there with the hance that i used to know
0: hmm yeah great time
2: so we'll see i mean i could honestly i don't know i wonder if the when all said and done i'm sure we'll approach the topic of the amazing race would ever do this thing again or if a cbs show would ever do this thing again but for what it's worth i'm really enjoying it and i think this episode is a good microcosm as to why no matter what's going to happen in the race itself people are going to bring drama
0: Hmm.
1: yeah none of these people are bad television
0: yeah I'm just looking at their ratings from Wednesday night to see how things went, but I uh CBS uh was a uh, second in the 18 to 49 demographic uh with a uh, 4.77 million viewers.
2: Okay, that's good. That's um the high if it's 4.77, that's the highest since the first episode.
0: Of in terms of viewers. Yep. Okay.
2: So that's good. great. It that means that yeah. I think bumping bumping them back up to eight in the post-survivor time slot has been uh, working out well for them. So, and again, considering if they are slotted to be mid-season next year, I think we hopefully have found a new home for the amazing race.
0: It was on up against American Ninja Warrior. So Taron Armstrong was conflicted.
2: I don't I think, think he really was is. that
1: conflicted.
0: <laughs> yeah.
1: <laughs> All right. So should we close this out with one more question? Yes, please. Okay, because I I really, really loved this question, and I was going to be sad if we didn't get to it, because I feel like this is in Mike's wheelhouse. Is it from Hot Nuts? It is not from Hot Nuts. I don't know where Hot Nuts was this week, but I think he's got to know that every time he asks a question, I'm going to read it on the air so I can say this next question comes from Hot Nuts. Mm -hmm. Do we
2: think that we might now have a contest for people to come up with increasingly absurd aliases on Twitter so that you can read them on the podcast?
1: I'm here for it if they do, but I don't want this to turn into, like, Reddit usernames. Let's keep it PG-13, friends. Please, please. All right, so here is a person with an actual name, which may actually even be on their driver's license. Um, Robin Starkey says, my question is, Becca is clearly Tigger, so which Winnie the Pooh character is Floyd?
2: Hmm. Ooh. Ooh. That's a good question. I feel like Floyd is Rue, uh, which I guess Becca, I don't think she's Kanga, but it feels like if you're looking at somebody who is young with an infectious amount of energy to him, I feel like that is Floyd to a T. And, and so that links up with Rue. And Rue and Tigger are like best friends in the Winnie the Pooh canon, so it totally makes sense. I
1: knew you'd have a really good answer for that, Mike.
2: Also, I, I constantly live my life in Pooh corner, so like I'm, I'm <laughs> always willing to pull a reference out there.
1: You do have a newborn. <laughs> Don't blame this on the baby, Jess. I, I'm not blaming it on the baby.
0: <laughs> yeah, Mike is a grown man who follows Winnie the Pooh.
2: It's, so, a, it's a very heartwarming tale about animals who are friends with the boy. Mm-hmm. It's a boy. It's for all ages. So, you know, you watch uh, Finding Christopher Robin, you weep your eyes out because those are the characters you grow up with and you'll always have in your heart and you want to impart onto your, your children and teach for future generations.
1: Oh, so you weren't making a Pooh Corner joke. Okay.
2: No, there was there was a show called Welcome to Pooh Corner that I watched. I, I,
1: that I'm I'm clearly not reading the room here.
2: <laughs> no,
1: Mike's being very literal. I, I guess so. But I, I knew either way he would have strong opinions. And I think he's answered this question to my satisfaction.
2: And also very I, good. Rachel got in trouble because I think she tried to reach for that honey and she got stuck in the rabbit hole. And now people are drawing faces on her butt.
1: <laughs> and now
0: we've gone too far
2: <laughs> this is the full bloom this is the actual poo full corner.
0: bloom. yes <laughs> okay well we are set up for what should be a very exciting amazing race next week yeah i'm i can't wait to see this new twist play out just do we know where they're going they're staying
1: in switzerland
0: okay all right. A place where there's, again, it was supposed to be neutral, peaceful. The Amazing Race is uh, really just uh,
1: totally thrown that on its head. People go to Switzerland to work out their differences. That's what being neutral is all about.
2: Yeah, or, yeah. or to ogle all the attractive residents. Yeah. I'm not mad at that. <laughs> hope we see more hot people next week in Switzerland.
0: <laughs> okay.
2: That's my, that's my uh, hope.
0: All right. There you go. All right. Uh, Before we throw it to my exit interview with uh, Janelle and Brittany, uh, Jess, uh, anything that you want people to check out?
1: Yeah, I got a couple of fun things coming down the pike if you like zombies. Ooh. Um, the great Josh Wiggler and I are going to get together to record a little recap of the season premiere of Fear the Walking Dead, and that should hit your feeds right after the premiere. Um, we're going to record it on Monday night, so premiere is Sunday. Watch the premiere. We'll record it. It'll drop in your feeds probably sometime Tuesday morning, and we're excited about that, although we are kind of scaling back our Fear the Walking Dead coverage this season because Rob was broken by the last <laughs> season. <laughs> And he said he doesn't even want to come near it. So he he foisted it on to Josh for, I think we're going to end up doing three podcasts about it over the course of the season. But that's where we're at. And I also, because I'm going to be watching it anyway, I went ahead and wrote up an article about um, things that make me excited about the upcoming season. And I know I'm the last person on the planet who is excited, but I genuinely am. And that's going to be over on primetimer.com. Maybe around the time this hits your feeds and maybe a day or two later, I'm not sure what their publishing schedule is. Okay. Okay. All right. And Mike, what about you?
2: Uh, So RuPaul's Drag Race, actually, while we're recording this, it just aired its season finale and assumingly last episode of 2019. So some combination of Liana, Boris, Brent Wolgamot and myself will get together this weekend to wrap all that up. I'm sure it's to be an epic ending for what has been a very conversation laden season also survivor south africa is going very strong i know the third mm-hmm. episode just aired but if you guys are an episode back feel free to listen to the recap that shannon gates and myself did with the one and only rob sesternino which is i would say about 35 percent survivor talk uh 55 rob questioning our life choices no. and 10 and uh talking mercilessly about the sponsors of the show
0: <laughs> yeah a lot of sponsors talk a lot of sponsors sponsor talk. Sponsor talk yes uh not a lot of commercials uh but a lot of spo- talk about the sponsors of survivors basically
2: Africa. commercials just uh they're <laughs> more entrenched within the podcast stuff. it's really the next level of advertising that we just throw them into the into the podcast itself so much so that it's basically free advertising for them
0: for them okay all right. And of course, uh, we've got a lot still to come. I have uh, interviews with both Rick Devins and Chris Underwood up on uh, the website right now. Going to be uh, speaking with uh, Victoria Bemonde from Survivor Edge of Extinction uh, this weekend as well. So uh, keep your eyes peeled for that. And I have a very special podcast with the great t-bird cooper the first of our series of tracking down some of your favorite players we are talking with t-bird colon helen glover which uh, should be dropping on friday as well
2: i am so excited i need all the details about helen's journey with jan gentry in the boat that just led to uh, we talk
0: a lot about it yes
2: that led to some some near violence on survivor in a season that was already full of people choking other people so i'm very excited (laughs) to hear from helen
0: all right, so uh, we will be back with you next week with a exit interview. Uh, we presume uh, after episode number eight of the season of the Amazing Race, and let's go ahead and throw it to uh, my interview with Janelle and Brittany from earlier this week. Janelle and Brittany, are you there? This is Rob sister Nina. Yeah, Very good. Very happy to uh, get the chance to talk to you both following uh, your run on the uh, amazing race. Uh, How are you both doing?
4: We're both great. great.
0: Okay. All right. Uh, So going back and uh, looking at this uh, final leg of the race for you two in Uganda, what was the the biggest factor? Was it the taxis?
5: It was definitely the taxi. I mean, we were stuck. We we were in traffic that didn't move for Mm -hmm. a half an hour. Like it, we were just sitting there in traffic. Yeah. There, so in Uganda, there's no like, you know, there's no like lines in the road. Like you stand this side, I stand this side. It's like, it's a free for all. We were on top of a hill. There's a bus going across, like in front of our car that's stuck. There's two cars like pointed up the hill next to us, blocking us in. And there's like another car that's blocking the bus. And there's everyone's honking. No one's moving because the traffic doesn't move. Only motorcycles are getting through at that point. Mm-hmm. It was
4: bad. And yes, they just set off a series of events to where we were. We we showed up last and then freaked out. And then (laughs) that's the end.
0: Yeah. So ultimately, the episode uh, was showing Janelle looking for the uh, the Rolex watch when it was the 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 Rolex station. Janelle, how, how long were you looking for the wrong thing?
5: Oh, I mean, quite some time. I actually did find a Rolex dealership. So then I learned at that time, <laughs> like, okay, this is—I'm not looking yeah. for a watch. Something's really wrong, and so I went back to like. But I just started thinking, I'm like, they would never have me run this far away. Like, it's production. I need to go back to where I was originally. Mm-hmm. So I went back to Brittany. I like calmed myself down, and like just started asking random people around where Brittany was standing, and it worked. Yeah, and they just like. Like, he just gave me a clue. Right. And I
4: was like, thank God. Why didn't this happen before? I feel like from start to finish, we were probably there for about two hours. Would you say, Juno? Yeah, I think, like, from the time we arrived to the time we left. Like, time we arrived, including when other teams were there as well. Total time was probably two hours. I think like it was longer than it looks like on the show. Honestly.
0: Okay, Brittany. I, I know you're not allowed to say anything, but you were able to see that it was a station that was uh, really close to you guys. You know, I was looking for the wrong thing. How hard was that for you? It was to,
4: literally ten feet.
0: Yeah. To not just blurt it
3: out. It
4: was so hard. Like, well, because they like production warned me multiple times I couldn't say anything. Yeah. Like otherwise, I would have just been like, oh, like yeah, I wanted to say something so bad and they knew the situation they knew what was going on and so i was given warnings multiple times you cannot help your teammate you cannot say anything you can in no way help Mm -hmm. so it was really hard that was really really tough
0: can i ask a a question on that rule like are, are you allowed to uh like help your teammate calm down or is that considered help also
4: I mean, you can probably help them calm down. I just don't think you can give them any information that pertains to the task itself. Okay, like even if you were
5: to like to point your eyes in the right direction and like nod your head, like that would be considered. Yeah,
0: yeah, no, I know it's that we saw it uh, earlier this season with Brett and Chris when uh, Chris saw that uh, where the where the clue was and Brett uh, slid down the mountain. So, um, you know, uh, yeah, we are, uh, you know. Familiar with, uh, you know, how frustrating that it can be.
4: Yeah. Yeah. And everybody's always like, oh, well, well, you need to weigh the benefit, cost benefit of the penalty. But there is no, there is no textbook that says, if you do X, this is, Y will happen. Like there is none of that. It's all like on the fly. And so production is just doing their best to make sure everyone does stay in the role, that they don't have to make those decisions. And especially in a case like ours, where head to head is, you know, what would a 30 minutes mean? It would mean literally nothing. So they're trying to do their best to make sure that no one is put in that position. You know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. that gets very, you know what I mean? Like sure. it gets very tricky for yeah. them on as far as how to penalize people. They don't want to have to do it. And so but they'll do it's it. Not like if you w- do it on camera, they like, I've seen other seasons where they will like make you sit out. They're like, yeah. sorry, you helped.
5: You're going to sit right over here.
4: Oh, yeah, they definitely will if you break the rule, but they definitely are of the mind that they just don't want you to break the rule in the first place. And so I was expressly reminded multiple mm-hmm. times, you cannot help her. So it wasn't a situation where I was going, oh, well, if I help her, it's only going to cost me 30 minutes. You don't know what it's going to cost you. Like, yeah. there, you. It's not like you can weigh that because you don't really know what the consequence will be. So that can't be a part of your mm-hmm. thought process.
0: All right, I, want, I want to talk about the head to head at the end of the episode. Did, how did you guys decide who was going to uh, go into the head to head at the end of the leg?
5: Well, Brittany really wanted to do it. She was very passionate about it. She was like, "This looks like a Survivor thing. I can do it." That's what she said. She was like, "I've got it. I'm going to kill it." She was like, "Okay, like if you think that you, if, you know, just go for it, girl, because you know, just do your thing."
0: Boy, Brittany? Are you a big Survivor fan?
4: <laughs> I am. We're both huge Survivor fans. And I am like, but I'm just good at puzzles. I've always been good at puzzles, whatever. I feel like I can do puzzles. Well, I felt very confident about it. I looked at it and thought, yes, I can do this. Like something that's in my wheelhouse. Let's do it. It's mm-hmm. sad, but true. I was confident.
0: Yeah. Um, what, Janelle, did you feel like that you wanted to be in there?
4: I wanted to do
5: it, but I wanted to give her the opportunity to play the amazing race too. Like she had done like, I think just one roadblock at that point. And so she really was wanting to participate. Like, you know what I mean? Like she mm-hmm. hadn't done, she'd only done one roadblock mm-hmm. and it was already like, like six. So
0: yeah. How did doing the race, uh, compare to, uh, the experience of going on big brother for both
4: of you? It's not apples to apples. Like it's very, di- they're very, very, very different games. I mean, they're different in every aspect. I I definitely like
5: Big Brother more. Don't hate me, CBS. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I just think Big Brother is more my show. And like, I think it's, I don't know. Mm -hmm. I like it. I like studio lights. I like good lighting. I like wearing makeup. I like looking good. (laughs) To be honest with you.
0: Um Can we go back to uh, the uh, Dubai uh, leg from uh, this past episode? And you guys went to the dinosaur park and it looked like that you guys were putting the eggs someplace else that was not the, the nest. What, what, what were you guys putting the eggs into?
4: I'm fairly sure it was a trash can. Yeah. I think it was a trash can because it was a it was a giant egg with like that had been cracked off on the top. Um and it was <laughs> fancy, whatever reason we thought a cracked egg would be a dinosaur nest, which doesn't make any sense <laughs> at all. Like it was so embarrassing to be it was so embarrassing. that the entirety of production was like camped right there. Like that's where their like production headquarters HQ for that challenge was. Yeah. So there's like a huge group of people standing there, you know, like moderating. So we run up with our eggs. We're right they, they hit, hit the, the bottom. bottom. Like, Let's go. Super loud. Mm-hmm. It's like clanging banging as our eggs are tossed in. And so we toss the eggs in and we turn around like we're looking Bertram like right in the And face. he turns his back to us. And he's 10, 10 this feet is away. Not And we're like, <laughs> we need a check, check, check. Like we're screaming and it's cricket. Like, you cannot hear a sound. People are just trying to shift their eyes because it's uncomfortable. Because, like, obviously they can't say, um, that's not a nest. But we're, like, screaming <laughs> at them to check our eggs. And we just have to, like, sense, like, oh, I don't think we're in the Like, this isn't the this right is place. Right. Like, no one is coming to check our eggs. We must have done something wrong. <laughs> so then it, Like,
5: immediately. It was literally, like, a second. though, like, it, we didn't lose any time doing that. It was like, yeah. okay, wrong thing. So then we quickly ran to like we ran further where there was like little nests. Yeah. The
4: only reason, the I only it was way it could have really cost nests. us was that we were dumping eggs in there through through the like challenge. So we like at a time threw a couple in there and went back to get more eggs. So another team could have swiped those from us. They could have swiped um, but, them.
5: Yeah, they, we could have gotten really screwed on that. But luckily we didn't. Yeah,
4: we could have.
0: Yeah. No, you guys were pretty drama free throughout uh, the entire run of the race. Were, were there any teams that you guys uh, butted heads with, uh, even if we didn't see it on the show?
4: No, not really. Do you think so else? No, we got along with everyone. We got along like, with everyone. I mean, obviously,
5: some teams more than others, but I truly liked everyone that played. There was no nasty people that like were just like loud and abrasive no. rude. It wasn't like Big Brother, you know. <laughs> yeah, uh, it was.
4: It was fun. I mean, as far as like the downtime, getting to know the other teams and getting to talk to them, like we really enjoyed everyone, I think.
0: And was that a conscious decision to uh, try to, you know, have a good social game with everybody?
4: Yeah,
5: we knew going in, we weren't going to be the most physical team. So we were like, well, we're just going to get in good with every single person here and then they'll never U-turn us, which they never did. Yeah. We and were never we, on anyone's radar. We
4: wanted to be able to ask for help when we needed it, which you know, and everyone needed. always helped us.
0: Do You know, we saw during the uh, moped race uh, that you had a, a wipeout on the moped. Did you get hurt at all?
5: I mean, I got scraped <laughs> up, but not a big deal.
0: Okay, wh- wh- what was worse—the <laughs> moped crash or when Brittany crashed into the polar bear?
4: Oh, Brittany, you definitely the got polar hurt. bear! <laughs> oh my gosh! The pol- I will have you know that when that polar bear took his head off. His face was bloody. Like it he, it really did a number like the polar bear too. He was bleeding, messed was up, blood drone.
3: <laughs> Please be careful. It really careful. felt like
4: three hundred miles an hour too. Like in my mind, that scenario was way more dramatic than it even showed on television. Like it felt like I was blazing <laughs> three hundred miles an hour straight into the shins of that polar bear.
0: So, do you guys have a highlight of the race, whether it was on the show or not?
4: I mean, I just literally
5: laughed the entire time. Like, it was hilarious laughed to do so Like, when I'm watching the clips back, I'm laughing even more, especially the behind the scenes stuff. Like, when we're running, and I'm like, let's go over here. Let's go over here. And Brittany's like, trying to run. It's just the highlight me. For me like,
4: <laughs> yeah, the highlights for me would be our own recaps back in our hotel room yes. after every leg. Yeah. Like, making fun of ourselves Um, on making like recreating how we are, how we get taxis and just like the frantic, like spastic behaviors. We would just laugh forever. Just imagining
5: like there's so much footage that no one saw because there's just so much content and amazing races so quick. But Brittany and I, before we did the race, we were like, we will not freak. We are going to be so calm. We will not freak out. And the very first leg, I'm literally attacking small Asian men screaming in their face. Oh my God.
4: Help <laughs> like and we were like thinking about like what these people are thinking of us. Like you have to realize these that American women with cameras traumatized in my face, traumatized by being in the subway station with us, screaming, <laughs> she's Not going!" Like they were scared. Like they thought something was happening. This was like we looked so psycho. It was so we looked like complete nut jobs. <laughs> It was so bad. And we would just laugh thinking about like, what are these people thinking watching us do
0: this? It was so fun to get to see you two uh, back uh, on TV on The Amazing Race. And Big Brother season is uh, is around the corner. Can Can you both just let your fans know Would would either of you consider another run on Big Brother or are those days behind you both?
5: I think for me, those days are most... I mean, I've done Big Brother three times. I think you know, I've had a good run. Whatever.
0: What if they did a uh, short one though? What if they did like the the, the the celebrity Big Brother slot? What if they made that a short one for all stars? Uh, Three weeks.
5: I'll go with Janata. maybe. 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 But I I'd prefer to do Survivor if, if anything, okay. Because that's my show. That's
0: all right. My show. All right. We know some people. <laughs> okay. So <fun. laughs> okay. All right. And, and Brittany, you're saying the same thing.
4: Um. I would prefer to, yeah, I mean, I'll do whatever. Whatever. Right. It's my, this is my okay.
0: job. All right. Well, hopefully whatever <laughs> includes some Big Brother podcasts. So, okay. Let's oh see what the future holds.
5: <laughs> all right. I'm dying right now.
0: Uh, uh, Brittany and Janelle, great to get to talk to you and all the best. Okay. Great
5: to all talk to right, you all. Take care. All
0: right. Take care. Bye. All right, there you have it. Janelle and Brittany on the podcast. Hopefully, we'd love to uh, talk to them about some Big Brother uh, sometime this summer or one of these Big Brother seasons. That would be nice uh, to cross off the bucket list. All right. Uh, Thanks again to the patrons of Rob's Podcast. Make all this possible. Find out more about everything that we're doing over on our Patreon page at Robbins website.com slash patron. Thanks so much, Scott St. Pierre, for putting this all together. Take care, everybody. Have a good one. Bye. This episode of Rob's Podcast is sponsored by our friends over at True Car. Every car comes with its share of stories. That ding in your bumper when you nervously picked up a first date, that luxury package you got after a big promotion, or the mileage you saved by riding your bike all summer long. While you can't put a price tag on your stories now with True Car, you can at least find out what your car is worth when it's time to sell it or to trade it in. Just go to True Car and simply enter your license plate number and watch how your car's details just pop up and answer a few questions like navigation and moonroof. Watch as they bump up your car's value, high mileage. You already knew it was going to cost you, but not you know how much it's going to ding your wallet so you can plan ahead. And once you're finished, you'll get a True Cash offer sent in minutes, which you can take to a local certified dealer to cash out or trade in. So when you're ready to experience a better way to sell or trade in your car, check out True Car today. True Cash offer is not available in all areas.